Hook Em Up with He and Rod P. Brought to you by Bud Light on the Horn. Ma'am, you had better wait, wait, waking them up, get them going. If that's even a word, as we launch, as you just heard, the uh, new name of the show, Hook em, Hook em Up with Ian Rod B here on The Horn. It's brought to you by Bud Light, and we are off and running. Five hours of great sports conversation begins right now on this Tuesday morning, and you had better get them up and get them going. There's a lot to do. We got uh, a streak ended in the NFL. Pretty incredible streak, by the way. Uh, the Baltimore Ravens preseason win streak is over with a field goal late. Preseason games don't really matter, but that one seemed to carry a little bit more weight than usual. Also, the uh, tightening race in the AL, AL West and Major League Baseball continues to tighten. Because the Rangers lost last night. The Astros and Mariners both won. We'll get you details on that as we launch this Tuesday morning. A lot of Longhorn football conversation, 11 days to the opener with the Rice Owls. Steve Sarkeesian met with the media yesterday. We'll certainly sift through his comments and conversation with the Longhorn head coach headed into year three. Uh, Plenty of football, baseball, and all things sports conversation uh, begins right now here on 1019, also on AM 1260. And we appreciate you finding this digitally as well. So easy to do on the Horn app. Just download it to your smartphone and uh, fire us up with a touch of a button. Also on your smart speaker at home and work. Just tell your Alexa to fire up the Horn in Austin. And, of course, on our Twitch channel, on our YouTube channel, we're everywhere. And that's what it's all about with you here on the show. Uh, appreciate you being there. Look who it is. He is our shutdown corner, five hours a day, five days a week here on E and Rod B's from DB High and DBU. A lifetime Longhorn, or number 21 on his jersey and in your program. But he's number one in your heart. He's our guy, Rod Babers. What's up, Rod? I'm doing great. Appreciate the intro, as always. Feeling good, ready to talk some football. And uh, shout-out to those who... Um, Decide to serve, all right? Our society is built on the selflessness of service. So first responders, teachers, nurses, soldiers, of course, whether it be God, country, or community, we salute you. We, we salute you. you and appreciate you each and every morning. No y'all up early. Y'all up with us. Up with us, <laughs> and hopefully we can keep you uh, somewhat entertained as we crank this thing out on what's going to be another 100-degree day. I think we're at 45 straight days, which is everyone is every new one is setting a record there I, there was a chance i guess last week when i looked at tuesday's weather that it could rain today i don't really see that in the forecast maybe more clouds today than usual maybe a little breezier oh please that would might, be great we might not get to 100 degrees might might get right to 100 i today. think we we do have was a 44 straight well yesterday it was 44 straight days i believe so this would be 45 digits. today if we reach it you're right we got keeping hope alive well, that we do not reach triple digits. When the big headline on the weather front <laughs> is it's hot and dry, and there was I live out in, uh, in South Austin, and there was a brush fire oh, down no. near Buda, and today there's a red flag warning because the winds are going to kick up this afternoon, so obviously be careful where Just you can. so dry. Cigarette Just, butts yeah, and anything, anything flammable yeah. or lit, please, 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 because it, it'll a little light in a so heartbeat dry. and yep. uh, spread quickly with the winds that are coming today, so be advised. Red flag warning to start this Tuesday, the 21st. Of 22nd of August, 11 days to the start of the Longhorn football season. Uh, Ty Henderson is through the glass, and Ty made a bet last night. Yeah. He bet against the streak, and he— uh, He get it. He said it was a good point. Which is what's popping pick of the night. Good job, Ty. Appreciate T.Y., what are we doing? I, I'm feeling pretty good. That's, I think I'm ready for the NFL season officially now. <laughs> <laughs> it was a bowl. I'm ready for the NFL. You got that little shot of adrenaline. 
little little uh, little, lie, little dopamine not... high because uh, you took the bet and like think about this Rod before 20, last night and I will straight. confirm because uh, the baseball games were, were running long and the Rangers game was a late start as I was watching those and uh, so I did pay attention more than I ever would to the end of a preseason NFL football game because <laughs> I wanted to see this and it was getting dramatic because the Washington Commanders had. Jake Fromm in the game. Jake from State Farm was trying to lead them down the field uh, to kick a, 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 a what would be a game-winning field goal, and, and they executed it. And it was crazy, Rod. The, the Ravens, I don't know if you saw, were bringing like all-out blitzes. Like they were bringing like, in the preseason. Yeah, wow. Because they were trying to, they were just going to force Jake Fromm to, to either make a mistake or they're going to lose. Sense. They're yeah. going to force lose. Jake Fromm to be Jake Fromm. Yeah, <laughs> Jake from from State Farm. And so they were bringing like jailhouse blitzes, and uh, you could tell John Harbaugh. You know, kind of wanted to keep the streak alive if he could. His team was playing for it. Yeah, and, say he um, didn't care about it, but he cares about it. Yeah, I mean, uh, we'll have some fun with this throughout the morning. But the last time until last night when Ty Henderson hit the bet, what'd you put, 150 on that bad boy? Yeah. Nice. Put a smooth 150. Mm-hmm. Uh, what were the odds? Uh, plus 120. Nice. Done, there you go. Good, Good work. Made some straight cash, that's a, homie. That's a I like dopamine. That. Huh? The last time the Baltimore Ravens had lost a game in the preseason, it was September the 3rd of 2015. I was in high school. Fifteen. I was in high school still. That's wild. <laughs> Isn't that crazy? That is. That is. That is. Honestly, even if you were trying to win them all, that's still tough to do. Oh. Like even, even if you were attract, which the no coaches are with, trying to win preseason games, but it no. is it's, it's hard to do that even when you're trying to win all the preseason games. There's so many things, so many factors that are outside of your control, and so many variables that you cannot predict or can control because it's you don't know these guys on your roster. These are people you've had on your roster for what? Two, three weeks. And they won't be there in next terms week. Of training. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Yeah, you had them in mini camps and stuff in OTAs, but you hadn't had some of these guys on your roster very long. I've been singing the praises of Sam Howell for months now. You have, and Sam Howell did play good last night. He did play good. Engineered uh-huh. a couple of scoring drives, and uh, uh, no Lamar Jackson. Kind of that was one of the big debates. It was nah, you don't need to see Lamar Jackson. We've we seen too many people get hurt in the preseason. Uh, no. We good. Well, we the argument <laughs> is that he. You know, it's a new offense, new offensive coordinator. He didn't play much at the end of last year. You know, get used to it. You know, the the the, the New York Jets are taking this strange step. J-E-T-S. They're going to play Aaron Rodgers. Aaron Rodgers hadn't played in a preseason game. Yes, will be his first since 2018. Yeah, well, at least you know, got some kinks. New teammates, new offense, new team, new stadium. Yeah, new 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 uniform. So Aaron Rodgers actually play in the Jets preseason finale this weekend, Saturday, against the New York football giants, that uh, in-city rivalry. Can I give you a a story related to the Ravens and that uh, that, that record? Do you know who also predicted the Ravens record would fall? Who's that? Lifetime Longhorn Sam Cosme. Sam Cosme. Remember, he said before the game, he said, I think it's a stupid record. I mean, <laughs> who gives a blank about preseason games? He told that to J.P. Finley of NBC Sports Washington. He said, if we beat it, great. We're going to beat it. So there we go. Hey, I like it. I like Sam Cosme. There you go. Sam of, Cosme. Uh, <laughs> That's how you feel. How you really feel about it, Sam how Cosme? How do you really feel? He, he, <laughs> hey, they took it down. And you could tell it was, it was somewhat interesting as far as a preseason game goes because the, the commanders were trying to end it. The Ravens were trying to hold on to it. It would have been a a fun preseason, like you said. Yeah, fun watch. And it would have been the second straight preseason game that extended the streak to 24 last week where the Eagles had a two-point conversion to try to tie it. And then last night, Washington had a two-point conversion that they did not convert. And that's why it was 28-26. And then the last-minute field goal, or inside the last 10-second field goal, won the ballgame. Joey Sly. Joey Sly, the kicker for the Washington Commanders. Great name for a kicker. And he's got some guns on him. Joey Sly. Well, guys, you, guys, kick guys a, you ain't got nothing else to do but lift weights. And <laughs> That's probably go true. And kick for like an hour and a half, and then you never see the kickers again. Probably true. Practice, yeah. Well, that uh, wrapped up week two, and it was good to see Troy Aikman and 
Joe Buck and the new owner of the, the the Washington team was up in there. So they had the Monday Did night. You football. see that awkward moment between oh, yeah. Joe Buck and the new owner of Washington, where Joe Buck's trying to like just explain something, and he he makes a, a hand gesture while trying to explain something, and then the Washington owner, I guess, mistakes the hand the, the hand gesture for a handshake. Yeah. And then he, he goes in for the head shake. It is a great moment. It is I a, saw it. Very awkward. It's, it's awkwardly hilarious. Yeah. It's really uh, good. The billionaire is not sure. Are you trying to shake my hand or what's going on over here? <laughs> uh, and then he just grabbed his hand. He just <laughs> grabbed his hand. He's like, hey, he's out there. I'm shaking it. Reminded me of Jerry oh, Jones man. and Barry Switzer on the Super Bowl <laughs> podium back in the day, 1995. <laughs> Where Jerry would not give him that dang Super Bowl trophy. Give me that thing. Give me that thing. You ain't got no business with Byron, that. Barry Byron. Switzer was going in for the handshake. We did it, Jerry. We did it, he Jerry. He wants the hug slash handshake, no, Jerry's like, just give me that trophy. <laughs> it's my damn trophy. Get out of here, Barry. That's great. That's great. That All right, good. we love it. Let's get to the headlines, trending topics, and uh, busy hour as usual of our five. We always load it up behind the burn orange curtain this hour with uh, Sark and Texas football conversation. Uh, just the facts before the end of the hour, but right now, the news. UBO Business Services brings you the trending topics to start your Tuesday. Texas football, 2023 season opening now 11 days out. Depth chart is coming into focus for the 11th-ranked Longhorns. Head coach Steve Sarkeesian had said at a press availability after yesterday's practice that uh, this week's mock game, a mock game on Saturday, will be the final step in defining the final two deep in the roles. Coach Sark said he wants to have that two deep chart solidified to the end of the week, headed into game week with the Rice Owls. It'll make some tough decisions, though, following a very competitive training camp. It says, hey, that's all part of the process. We'll be very candid with our players. Real life, you know, and I think that's why we've created uh, an environment here where, where honesty works, you know, and, and being transparent works. And, you know, I, I don't think by the time we put a depth chart to the team and when we explain to them in their position meeting who's going to go with the ones and who's with the twos and so on and so forth, there's not going to be a lot of surprises, you know, because we're very upfront with our players on a regular basis. And so uh, we're constantly trying to improve them. Um, we're constantly trying to give them the things we'd like for them to work on. We're constantly trying to show living examples of players that do it right and what that looks like and why that's how we want it. And we point out times when we don't do it right. And so that everybody gets a real sense and a feel of what we're looking for and, and how we try to get it done. Also from Texas football, junior wide receiver Xavier Worthy and sophomore offensive tackle Kelvin Banks, both named second team preseason All-Americans by the Associated Press yesterday. As far as the first team preseason All-American selections go, that squad led by the reigning Heisman Trophy winner Caleb Williams from USC. Also Michigan running back Blake Corum is a first teamer. Ohio State wide receiver Marvin Harrison Jr. And Georgia's talented tight end Brock Bowers. One player from the Big 12 selected to the first team. That was K-State guard Cooper B.B. Running back-related news in the NFL, plenty of that. In Indianapolis, Colts have given their all-pro running back Jonathan Taylor permission to seek a trade. 24-year-old entering the final year of his rookie deal has been seeking a contract extension from the team. Not going to get it. He'll see what he can get on the open market. Meanwhile, in Vegas, Raiders running back Josh Jacobs is expected to report to the team before their week one opener with the Denver Broncos. That, according to the Las Vegas Review-Journal, last season's rushing yards leader hasn't participated in any portion of the Raiders' offseason program since receiving the franchise tag back in March. Major League Baseball, that three-team race atop the American League West tightened up even more last night as the first place Rangers dropped their series opener in Arizona while the Astros and Mariners both won a gut punch loss for Texas to their bullpen could not close out a one nothing lead in the ninth inning after a brilliant start from left-hander Jordan Montgomery. He tossed eight innings of shutout ball, but Aroldis Chapman gave up a solo homer in the ninth to Cattell Marte. Then Texas took a 3-1 lead, and once again, the Texas bully couldn't hold it. Snakes rallied for three in the home half of the uh, 11th to win it 4-3. to 
Houston, meanwhile, opened a four-game series with the Red Sox with a 9-4 win. Chaz McCormick homered twice, drove in four to power Houston. And on the south side of Chicago, the Red Hot Mariners clobbered the White Sox 14-2. They've won seven in a row. Rangers currently lead Houston by a game and a half in the West. Seattle gets just two back. Speaking of streaks, Dell Diamond tonight. Round Rock Express will look to tie a franchise record with their 13th consecutive win. They open a series with Salt Lake City at 7.05 tonight. This segment brought to you by UBO Business Services. Great people, great service, endless possibilities. That's UBO Business Services. Visit them at ubeo.com. So Jonathan Taylor has been given permission to seek a trade. Um. Who do we think is going to trade for Jonathan Taylor? That's exactly and, what I was thinking. I know. And, and what? Are, first of all, are, are they going to get what they what they're asking for? What the asking price is? What they believe the trade value is for Jonathan Taylor? That's the question. Yeah. Well, he's he's also coming off you know, a nagging right ankle injury that required surgery in January. Um, you he's twenty four, so he's, he's not twenty four. He's not geriatric yet at running back. You geriatric when you turn like twenty seven. So, <laughs> well, there's, there's three more years before he becomes basically an old man at running back. Well, a lot of people are comparing it to last year's trade when Christian McCaffrey was shipped to San Francisco, <laughs> and the haul in the midseason trade with Carolina and and San Fran was for twenty twenty three second round pick, twenty twenty three third round pick, twenty twenty three fourth round pick, and a fifth-round pick this coming April. Mm. So four picks. I don't know if you're going to get that. Uh, and I think that, <laughs> I think the difference would be that Christian McCaffrey had he'd already signed his second, his first big contract after his rookie deal, and Carolina had already picked up a lot of that you know, original signing bonus. Mm. So one of the reasons Kyle Shanahan and the Niners and John Lynch were willing to trade for it is they were picking up you know a good amount of money, but at the same time, you know Carolina had already absorbed the biggest part of that contract for Christian McCaffrey. Um, and in this case, Jonathan Taylor, if you trade for him, he wants that big deal. And I will also say this, just from a football standpoint, if you look at Shanahan's philosophy offensively, he covets players like Christian McCaffrey. He's perfect for that scheme. He's into positionless football. He's got a Kyle Juszczyk. He's got Kittle. He's got Debo Samuel, who's a wide receiver slash running back, and Christian McCaffrey, who's a running back that can play wide receiver. So, I don't know what system out there covets Jonathan Taylor as much as I know Shanahan coveted a guy like Christian McCaffrey and his skill set for his system. Yeah, and there's a, there was a, a relationship with the McCaffrey family. And, and a, yes, a lot of good All the way point. back to Denver point. when he was a ball boy. Didn't even think about that. With his dad, Another Ed. one. Yeah, yeah. And so there was kind of a perfect storm it, to, your, exactly. to your question of who's who is going to be interested in Jonathan Taylor. Clearly, in that case, Kyle Shanahan looked at it and said, you know what? John Lynch, they've already signed into the to the big deal. They've absorbed a lot of that money. This is the the final piece, for the me, final yeah, piece yep. for my offense with Debo Samuel and George Kittle and obviously Brock Purdy at quarterback. But at the time, it was Jimmy Garoppolo, and you know that that, that made sense. I, I I'm I'm looking around the other 32 teams in the NFL or 31 teams from the Colts and wondering, is there a perfect fit? And because that that team whoever acquires him, because this is the irony from the Colts side of it, Rod. And folks, I mean, this is this is why running backs are frustrated, and in a lot of cases, rightfully so, with the market, they can't do anything about it. But it's it's unfortunate because the Colts have spent the offseason telling Jonathan Taylor he's not worth what he's asking for, <laughs> and now they're going to ask for a lot to trade him. Yeah. So it's like, wait a second, what is it there, Colts? I mean, okay, if you're going to trade me, then I'm, you, basically with no contract extension, you're telling me I'm worth a fifth round draft pick or something. Yeah. Uh, no, they want a first. They, they want a first. first. They will. They will exactly. Uh, they think he's worth that kind of value on the open market, well, which that, he's not actually. Well, it's not him. The running back position 
isn't necessarily worth no. that kind of value yeah. anymore. I mean, they've had Zoom calls and they're trying to buck the economic <laughs> trends, but it is. But that I don't know that there's be much market for that. I would imagine his agent now with permission from the team, so it won't be tampering for another team. Will put out feelers, but I just there doesn't seem to be a fit. Now that that could change. It takes one team to jump in there and say, man, he's too good. He's 24 years old. Uh, all pro in 2021, great young player, but I'm with you. I don't know that there's going to be a really strong market for Jonathan Taylor. There already is some buzz, though, uh, for this one team. Uh, according to uh, Florida sports boss Barry Jackson, who's with the uh, Miami Herald, he covers uh, South Florida sports, he's claiming that the Dolphins Ooh. actually may, they're expected to at least explore a trade for Jonathan Taylor. Now we don't. I don't know if they'll give up a first round pick, but they'll explore and try to see if maybe they could come to some middle ground compromise. That would be scary. Uh, Jonathan Taylor in that offense, that'd be a scary proposition. But I'm assuming he's going to want a long term deal. That's right. That's, so he's not only you got to work out the trade with the team. I believe he's going to. He wants his mark. That's why. They, that's why they're giving him permission to seek a trade. He wants what he believes is his market value in a long term deal with some stability. So that's it's two parts to it. Yeah. Are they going to be able to meet his demand in that way too? Well, and you wonder if they can play hardball with the Colts and say, "Look, I mean, we'll give you a, a, as this texter on the specs text line says a third and a fourth round pick this year." But that's not we have to. We have to sign him. You don't want to. You don't want to. Yeah, we um, got to give up salary cap capital and draft capital. <laughs> but look, he fits to what Mike McDaniel and the Dolphins want to do. He's, you know, at the combine he ran four three. He's a track star in high school. He mm-hmm. he can join the track team in Miami. Ooh. And you know that the Dolphins are itchy. I mean, they they went for it with the Tyreek Hill trade. They wanted Dalvin Cook didn't work out. Dalvin Cook ended up with the Jets. Now, that one's interesting uh, because mm-hmm. uh, Mike McDaniel and the Dolphins do feel like, and that division is so damn competitive. What about the Cowboys? Well, what about the Cowboys? I don't, I don't think Jerry Jones would do that. But... Jerry, don't do it, Jerry. Don't do it. Don't well, do it, Jerry. Don't do it. Except for, except for Christian don't McCaffrey, who the Carolina Panthers subsequently traded the last rook, you know, big, big name on a, on a rookie deal to get that next big contract with Zeke Elliott, right? I mean, Zeke got the big money. And the Cowboys regretted that move from the minute that they, uh, they gave it to him. So and that's where Jonathan Taylor is. He wants that next big deal. This is the point at which, if you're paralleling it with the Cowboys, that Zeke went to Cabo and said, I'm going to Cabo. Mm-hmm. I'll train in Mexico, and I'll get my deal. Jonathan Taylor has been in a similar stalemate with uh, Jim Irsay and the team since. And I'd say this for the Colts. This is a hard stance they're taking because they have already announced that young Anthony Richardson is going to be their starting quarterback. Mm, yep. uh, he needs every weapon he can get. Oh, running game is the best friend for a young QB. Yeah. I <laughs> Good mean, running game. I mean, it, defenses are much more scared by Michael Pittman at receiver and J- uh, Jonathan Taylor in the backfield than Zach Moss in the backfield or someone else. That makes the job harder on your young quarterback. But they're holding the financial line at this point, and we'll see if a team crops up. And, boy, that would – I would add another subplot to the uh, to the AFC and the AFC East if the Miami Dolphins were to get involved. I do think there could be a trade or a couple of teams interested. I doubt very seriously they get what they're demanding. And Stephen Holder, who uh, covers uh, the Colts, he says the Colts are seeking a first-round pick or a package of picks that equates to a first-round value. Um, so I don't, I don't know. Maybe, maybe I don't know what the, the third, maybe a third and a second equates to a first round value. I'm not sure exactly where they are on the draft value chart, but there you go. So they want a first. I don't think they're going to get a first. I mean, I keep going back to hell, Lamar Jackson. The the Ravens gave him permission to seek a trade, and it was the what the non exclusive franchise tag. So two first round picks. I think you'd have to give up, and they could have matched the deal. And there were crickets. 
And he was just a running quarterback. And there were crickets. Talk about an MVP in his prime, crickets. Nobody wanted to go. Matter of fact, there were teams openly, all right, openly opposed to uh, even exploring a trade, right? You had you had owners and you had GMs coming out saying, "Nah, we're not uh, we're we're not exploring the uh, Lamar Jackson trade." It's like you don't even have a quarterback. How could you? That's actually for on your part as a GM, right? That's malpractice. Yeah. You should be exploring it, even if your situation is stable or not, just to see what the value is of it. But either way, that's why I don't think he's going to get you know the first round pick. I do think a team may explore a trade for him, but. Yeah, Jim Mersey and the Colts know what they're doing. This is like when my wife gives me a hall pass to go bang Beyonce, and she's like, "Yeah, you can go if you if you if you can convince Beyonce to to have sex with you, then yes, then I I can I have I have permission from my wife to do it. She knows it's never gonna happen. She knows <laughs> that the odds are remote, and that's why she's like, "Oh yeah, that's why her my celebrity hall pass is is really long because my wife is like, yes, you can you can have that. <laughs> you could but you could but it's I know you won't. The market will reject you." <laughs> And if you actually <laughs> somehow accomplished it, you might as well, oh. not, come, might as well not come back. Yeah. No, I think if I accomplish it, I'm calling it. I'm going to call it and be like, you said it wasn't going to happen. I'm going to taunt her with it. Yeah. <laughs> you said it wouldn't happen. You can come on. She loves Beyonce, so she'll probably want to join in. Well, I would also add this to the, uh, to the conversation. Jonathan Taylor was not even a first-round pick himself. He was a second-round pick. Exactly. Pick 41 overall. Come on. I mean, he was a great player at Wisconsin. He, you know, at 225 pounds, he did run 4.39 at the combine. He's a very That's talented freaky. player. Yeah. He's freaky, and he would fit the Dolphins and make them even scarier. Um, but we'll see. That I think you're right. He's he's going to seek a trade and seek what the market is, and we'll see what that looks like. But, yeah, and that look like for you fantasy football owners and fantasy football drafts are fast approaching or maybe you've already had yours. It does look like Josh Jacobs will be in with the Raiders when – the game season begins. He's not been a part of anything that they've done. He led the the league in rushing last year, uh, but you know he hadn't he hadn't been in training camp. What kind of shape is he going to be in when he gets there? They play the Broncos week one. Uh, you know you can decide the value of Josh mm. Jacobs for your fantasy football team, but he, he's going to be there according to the Las Vegas Review Journal when they play Denver to start the season. It's hard so. out there for a running back these days, man. It's tough. It's tough. Tough. Uh, Underappreciated. Undervalued. Underpaid. Yeah, look, it says Tough I think the Colts are making a mistake by trading Jonathan Taylor. There are no, they have no other running back, and that's the issue, right? It's like, well, and you but, wonder if you're the Dolphin, if you're the Colts, could you trade Jonathan Taylor for a second round pick and one of the Dolphins' running backs, right? Could you get Jeff Wilson, or could you get Raheem Mostert in return? Because that's a good one. yeah, you know, something serviceable, something that's. I mean, Raheem yeah. Mostert's a pretty good player. Oh yeah, um, you know, or even a chain. Yeah, A-Chain, who you just drafted, uh, I think they like him out of yeah. A&M. But, yes, that was a third-round pick of theirs this year. So, you know, there could be players involved. And if you're, you know, I don't know. After what, what Jim Irsay pulled last year, I don't know what to believe and what he won't do. I mean, the whole, <laughs> yeah, Jim Irsay's a wild card. You don't really have with you on that one. Don't I think mean, you'll be able to predict what he's going to do. And I think there's a football element to this, too, gentlemen. You talk about, you know, Shane Steichen coming over from the Eagles and what he was able to do with Jalen Hurts. These days, more and more, you're seeing more and more teams – adopt and adapt to running quarterbacks, whether it be, uh, you know, kind of functional mobility or guys who are just straight-up dual-threat quarterbacks, and they are a huge part of the running game now. Uh, Actually, design runs for quarterbacks uh, for the first time in history, or at least since they've been actually keeping up with it, for the first time since they've been keeping up with it probably the last 10 years, they actually now are uh, design runs are higher and quarterbacks are involved in more design runs than scrambles. 
Uh, I love that. So well, and yeah. Shane Steichen is comes in from so, Philadelphia, yeah. where he helped tutor and mentor Jalen Hurts and build that offense around his legs and arm. So it, it may, my point is, it makes a star running back less valuable yeah, in right. an offense like that because I got a quarterback that can supplement the running game. Well, and if you, I mean, we know Anthony Richardson goes six five and six <laughs> five two fifty yeah. and runs over safeties. Mm-hmm. Uh, so yes, that is uh, an intriguing conversation in the NFL with uh, one more preseason game to go, and then we're off to the real deal. Longhorns have eleven days to their opener coming up. Here on uh, Hook 'em Up with Ian Rodby, we'll pick up the, uh, the behind the burn orange curtain conversation, plus some just the facts before the end of the hour. We're just getting tuned up and warmed up. Ty is here; he's happy. He won a bet last night. Our, yeah. RB is here. I'm here, and you are here. Let's get it going. Uh, it's Ian Rodby. Aaron Hogan, Rod Babers, Hook 'em Up, 1019 AM 1260, The Horn. Yeah, hook him up. Appreciate Craig Castleberry. He actually nominated that as the name of the show, and that's what we're going with, Rod. Hook him up. Hook I love up. it. I love. It. I told you, if you give it to the people, man, they won't let you down. Came up with a nice, nice name. It's a little uh, mini homage to the uh, to Longhorns too. The, the hook hook him up. You know, right. get him up. Hook him up. up. I like it. Let's yeah. get him up. Let's get after it. Let's talk sports and uh, get you ready for your Tuesday, the twenty second <laughs> of August, and. Uh, you know, back to school in full. Hopefully the traffic today, not nearly as bad as yesterday with uh, all be. kinds of a mess. Well, but, you, uh, well, yeah, you know you know it's going to be bad. Why'd you say that? <laughs> well, you say? sometimes it's worse than other days. I mean, that I is true. Yeah, yesterday you had you like, some incidents on the road. Yeah, you get an yeah. early fatality right on uh, 35 in the, yeah, yeah. the main artery there. That becomes an absolute nightmare. Isn't it supposed to rain today? Nah, well, pray was, we praying it does. There's like a we hope it does. It actually looks like it's worse than the rain because the cloud cover are going to roll in and... and I mean, my, my, it looks like the breeze, the wind's going to be up today, which makes it a red flag warning no, no. For, for, for brush fires. So, so we just get a little, just a little rain, just oh, a little man. bit, man, just for a little while. Well, I'm watching everything out in uh, everything's dry. California, you're thinking, man, we, we need a tropical storm of some kind. Not a, <laughs> we don't need a hurricane. I don't want a storm. You know we, don't, we don't need a hurricane. I don't want rain. I don't want the storm. Tropical system I don't want to go from like extreme to, of rain. I don't want to go from extreme to extreme. Right. Got <laughs> to right. get some moderation. I want a little moderate uh, weather. That's yeah. what I want. That's exactly right. Yeah. Well, before the top of the hour, we'll do some just the facts, including uh, what was happening in the world the last time the Baltimore Ravens lost a preseason football game, which happened last night, Monday Night Football. Uh, they lost a game for the first mm-hmm. time since uh, 2015. We'll have some fun with that coming up, plus some other facts of the day. But it's all about Texas football here on Hook 'em Up because the Longhorns are 11 days out to the opener. And yesterday, oh, yeah. uh, after their morning practice, Steve Sarkeesian had a uh, media availability to talk about what went on on Saturday's scrimmage, also where they are right now. And with that in mind, let's take it behind the burn orange curtain and get some thoughts. And they were all asking themselves the same question. What? behind that curtain. I remember we did predict yesterday that Sark would not go into detail about who won jobs on the depth chart. As a matter of fact, he hinted, implied that it's still pretty much undecided at a lot of positions because he was asked about that at the uh, media availability yesterday. But he did give details about this scrimmage, the depth chart scrimmage. And one thing I love about Sark, actually, is that how forthcoming and open he is at these media availabilities about details about what went down. He's pretty open. He's like, oh, yeah, offense did this, defense did this. Uh, so he gives you a pretty thorough breakdown. So he, he did his open, which was, you know, before he even took questions, he just opened up the press conference and gave a little overview of the scrimmage. And here is uh, the Sark open. For us and kind of where we're at and a little bit of a recap from the scrimmage, a little bit about kind of where we're going. I think the first thing coming out of two two scrimmages and, and two and a half weeks of camp, um, 
you know, being healthy is, is probably near the top of the list of priorities for us. And you can't always predict sometimes injuries occur. The, the game is the game. Uh, but I think it's a real credit to our, to our strength and conditioning staff of, of getting our players prepared for training camp. Uh, I think it's a credit to our training staff, uh, you know, and the job they did from a recovery standpoint of getting people, you know, back to close to 100% every day. Uh, and when guys were getting nicked up, you know, getting them back and getting them back on the field. So that, that, that was a real positive for us. As far as the scrimmage directly goes, you know, I thought defensively um, they, had a good, they had a good scrimmage. And I think it started, A, with their energy. I thought they brought really good positive energy for one another, and it, and it showed. You know, a lot of defense is about effort. It's about attitude. And then you, you got to play right. And I thought that they brought that. I thought a run defense was, was very stout. I thought they did a, the defense did a nice job in the red zone of getting stops in the red area at times, although maybe the ball moved down the field, they found a way to get stops and to force field goals, which was really real positive. And I think a lot of that, the run game and red zone stops started up front. Seems like he's, uh, once again, kind of confirming the reports about these two scrimmages that the defense is a little bit ahead of the offense right now. Defense, if you're going to say who won, who won the scrimmage, defense or offense? Um, I don't know, it seems like Sark, he's in the first, after the first scrimmage, he also hinted the defense may have won the scrimmage. Maybe he was very, I would say that he's critical, probably uber critical of the offense because he's an offensive guy and it's his offense. And he, you know, so he's probably a lot more critical of the offense than he is of the defense. I'll throw that out there. So he's probably, maybe he's trying to infuse confidence in his defense, but seems like to me, he's throwing it out there that the defense made more plays overall than the offense. Well, I think we'll hear him coming up talking about the defensive front because that's where he stopped right there. Yeah. You know, the defensive front's playing really good. I mean, uh, you'll hear him talk about Tavondre Sweat having his best, you know, day of, of practice in camp. And Alfred Collins has been a staple. We know Byron Murphy's a foundational player on that front. And uh, if that continues, I mean, you know, you've talked all offseason, Rod, about the defense who took great steps last year. Can they take another step towards being a, you know, a top-end defense if they can? Because I do think this offense can be pretty darn good. Uh, when they start facing, you know, their competition on this schedule, these guys know the system too. By the way, yeah, and, and they know Sark's system in and out. <laughs> right? Yeah, I mean they practice they do, against I, each other. They know. Yeah. I remember going to because Greg Davis' office. I'm like, I know Greg Davis' office. <laughs> yeah. I know the route you got to run around. It's right. like there is part of that too. Yeah, yeah. familiarity yes. is certainly there, and uh, but I think the defense is. Um, you know, you hope because we've heard this before that the defense is uh, is, is great, and uh, but at the same time, I think we saw this is what we saw last, last year when, when Keandre Coburn and Moore Ojimo and those guys took big steps forward, even to Andre Sweat, uh, and so Bo Davis is doing a great job of, you know, Stark has called him the best D line coach in America, and what coaches do is develop great players, take them to a new level, take them to a new ceiling, and you know if you do that with Alfred Collins and you do that with Tavondre Sweat and they just keep getting better. Uh, that's going to be that's going to be a handful on the interior of your D line, which just makes the whole you know, the epicenter of your defense uh, makes everybody better. Yeah, if you can get Alfred Collins playing to his ceiling or reaching his close to his ceiling, that would be quite an accomplishment. That he would probably end up classifying himself as the best D line coach in the country. Yeah. Speaking of that defensive front, he's here from Sark about that uh, that defensive front uh, in the uh, scrimmage. Our, our front seven is playing a, a really good brand of football right now. Um, I was proud of them for that. And, and some of the guys that stood out up front, because it, I don't get to talk about everybody all the time, but I thought Tavondre Sweat probably had his best day Saturday. And when he plays like that, we're a lot better. 
because he's very difficult to block. I thought Leonga Lafau has really made a lot of strides from spring ball through the first 10 days or so of training camp and, you know, had a really good scrimmage Saturday. I thought Ethan Burke had a really nice scrimmage, um, you know, kind of, you know, both edges kind of getting solidified now. And I feel really good about those first three guys with Sorrell, uh, Justice and Burke and, and what those guys can do. I thought Gavin Holmes had a really good week, and the week turned out to he had a really good scrimmage. And so that, that was a positive. Uh, and then the two guys that have been mainstays up front that have been, you know, kind of solidifying their spots and what they're doing, obviously Alfred Collins and Byron Murphy again, you know. And so that, that, that front is, is tough. Um, they're big, they're physical, they're athletic. Uh, they're playing really well together. And I think a lot of that stems from Jalen. Uh, just his communication up there at the, at the line of scrimmage and getting everybody tied together. So that was good. Uh, yeah, he talked about the front overall. He talked about how Jalen Ford, who is one of the stabilizing forces on that front, one of the best linebackers in the country, how he also has been great more in his communication. We played the cut of Jalen Ford earlier. Maybe that was like last week, maybe two weeks ago, where he talked about having conversations with uh, Malik Murphy <laughs> about – why and how quarterbacks are manipulating defenders, moving defenders around, making audibles, trying to learn more about the cerebral chess match within the game. Uh, now you hear start talking about really it's a lot of the calls that Jalen Ford is making, putting guys in the right place in that front so that guys can go out there and you know basically be impact players on that front. So maybe the defense is just ahead of the offense because that front seven is playing really well. Hopefully the offense, um, the offensive line too. That's remember we talked about this yesterday. If the running game is going to, if it's going to avoid the regression that some of us think it might have with the loss of Bijan and Rojo, the offensive line is going to have to kind of fill in the gaps there. They're going to have to be the ones that really excel and take their game to the next level. And even if pass blocking is going to be an issue, because I think the identity of the offense is going to be the passing game. That's where your strengths are. Um, pass blocking on the offensive line can be the only thing that kind of uh, that that can really set them back in the passing game too, in my opinion. Because I think they got weapons across the board pretty much in the passing game. Yeah, well, look, you're looking for improvement on both lines of scrimmage, right? That's the goal. Yeah. Certainly, you know, from even where you were last year with a young offensive line, now more experienced, and you could almost call it a veteran O line because Kelvin Banks feels like even though he's a sophomore, he's a Plays like a junior or senior already, uh, second-team All-American, and according to the AP, and Christian Jones came back for his sixth year, so that's your bookends, and now you have great competition on the interior. Defensive front coming. Look, I mean, I think we all saw, okay, this defensive line is different when Texas played Alabama last year in Week 2, and they were living in the backfield and pushing Oklahoma around. And that showed up the rest of the year. It wasn't always as good, but, they, you know, as you said, they led the – they were top three or four in the country in pressure rate. Mm-hmm. They were – you know, they, they, their defense and that defensive front with Bo Davis was better uh, than what we have seen, and certainly than it was in, in their first year here at, at Texas. Uh, and if that step can continue on both lines of scrimmage, I mean, that's obviously the goal, a big picture, uh, Rod, because for this year, yes, but then when you head into the SEC, you want to see this continued progression of your lines of scrimmage because that's, that's what it takes to compete in that league. Yeah, no, I'm with you. I listen the defense. We talked about it. Can they go from a a good defense, which they were last year, to being a great defense yeah. or an elite defense? Eh, maybe we're starting to see some of those strides. Uh, take some of those steps. Let's talk about the offense. Here is Sark uh, talking about what what the offense accomplished in the scrimmage. You know, I thought offensively, you know, there's there's some good things. There's some things that we didn't do well, and I think that all boils back down to consistency, right? 
we weren't consistent enough offensively Saturday the way out that I would have liked it. And so, um, you know, the, and it wasn't like one guy or one position group. I think everybody kind of took turns. Um, so we have we definitely have to improve upon that. We got too many drops. You know, we, we're we had such a good camp up until that point of of really catching the ball well and making plays and. The ball just found the ground Saturday, so we, we definitely have to clean that up. I was impressed um, with their third down wins. I thought the offense stayed on the field and extended drives uh, with their ability to execute on third down, which has been a big point of emphasis of ours. You know, we were not very good a year ago on third down, so to see them do that uh, was good. It was great to have Xavier back. Really explosive day. You know, made a lot of big plays, big catches for us. Gunnar Helm has been as steady as ever. You know, he's playing good football for us. Just a guy to note. Uh, and our three young wideouts, you know, and, and, you know, they all didn't have the perfect day, but they've come a long way. And when you talk about Jonte Cook, DeAndre Moore, and Ryan Niblett, really impressed with those guys from uh, from where they're coming. All right, so uh, drops, you don't drops like to hear that. Drops were an issue last year. Yeah. Well, yeah, they had crucial moments too. Too many balls on the ground. That can't happen. If you uh, complete a pass, mm-hmm. got to complete a pass. Uh, that's that. That needs to happen for sure. But you know, I. He said it hadn't been a problem for all camp. It was this was the the outlier for for camp? But uh, let's hope because drops were a problem last year. Uh, yeah, and you know, also ball on the ground. I think he's also referring to fumbles, Turn, turnovers, and yeah. turnovers as well too. And you know, something the defense emphasized or has been emphasizing is turnovers and forcing you know turnovers, taking the ball away. And it seems like in the the first uh, at least the last two scrimmages that they've been able to take the ball away. I think like. I think it's five turnovers uh, that Sarkis said they've created. In the two scrimmages. In the two scrimmages. So that's pretty good for the defense. Yeah, that's, that's a good that's number. That's a win. That's a win. Yeah, they will remember that. And he also said, I think in there, one of the cuts I heard yesterday, he, you know, they, they forced red zone stops, right? They forced field goals, not touchdowns. Mm-hmm. That's a four-point difference in a football game. You know that. And that's, that's a defensive win. Turnover, loss of downs, force a punt, or give up a field goal, not a TD. Now, I'm with you. Situa- honestly, I, situational football, that's kind of what that is. Red zone, money downs, third and fourth down. That's something Texas defense has to improve on. There are a few areas that if Texas improves on, you could see this defense realistically go from good to great. They, if they, but they got to maintain what they did last year, which is a really stout rush defense. They allowed, what, 3.3 yards per carry on the ground after allowing – over five yards per rush in 2021. Um, that's one of the best turnarounds in Texas football history. So you got to keep that going. Also keep up your pressure rate. But if you can translate those pressures into sacks, they only had 27 last year, and into takeaways, you only had 14 of those last year. That was ninth in the Big 12. Though, and then money downs, third and fourth down, you were around seventh and eighth in money downs last year as a defense. Those are the areas to me. Yeah, um, if you yeah. improve in those areas, yeah, I do think the defense could be I'm going to say elite, but they can be great. They can go from good to great. All right, we'll hear from Sark throughout the morning. Also, uh, he, as you talked about this week, Rod, getting Xavier Worthy in motion and making him difficult to defend, that's something that appeared to have happened. And we'll let Sark weigh in on uh, how having other really top receivers and deep threats around him makes his job easier and makes it easier to use Xavier Worthy in multiple ways. We'll get to that coming up. Also, Sark feels like this is a really good tackling team, which uh, on the other defensive side of the ball. So all things. We're, it's still the talking season, unfortunately. We need a game. We need a game, uh, a, which is now in 11 days. Weeks. So we can talk about games and actually see it. Yeah. But uh, still coming. talking about it with 11 days out. Coming back, uh, we'll hit the, the Just the Facts segment, including uh, what was happening on this day nearly 12 years ago. That's the last time the Baltimore Ravens lost a preseason football game, which is a pretty astounding record. Also, some of the other facts of your Tuesday morning. 
Aaron Hogan, Rod Babers. Austin, Texas, Sports, The Horn. Don't know that song, Rod, but it turns out to be the number one song in America nearly eight years ago when the Baltimore Ravens last lost a preseason game. This is what's the number one song in 2015 or whatever? It's a band called Omi, O-M-I, that's a band song named Cheerleader. I remember remember the song. I do remember the song, but I don't don't remember. Is it a one-hit wonder? I guess. I mean, I so. Ty was in high school. Right. And Ty, Ty's grooving to us. So it's taking Ty back. <laughs> is, that, is it called Omi? Is that the name of the band? Omi it's or a, person? It's a guy. It's a dude, Omi. Oh, yeah. He's definitely a one-hit wonder. I've never heard that name uh, outside of this. Yeah. Today. Yeah, honestly. Well, the Ravens lost to the Washington Commandors last night, 29-28. Hey, Ty predicted it. I bet money on it. Him and Sam Cosme, actually. Lifetime Longhorn Sam it, Cosme also it, said it. it's, a, it's a dumb streak. It was stupid. He was, he was like, we're going to end it. Good for him. Thank you, Joey Sly. We go in. Well, <laughs> that is a fact that that was your number one song back in uh, on this day nearly eight years ago. Also nearly eight years ago, Rod, in our Just the Facts brought Just to you by facts. Texas Orthopedics. The Longhorns were two days away from getting their heads kicked in at Notre Dame Stadium to start oh. the 2015 football oh, season. Oh, I do remember that. 38, Notre Dame yeah. 38, Texas 3. Yeah, I and I believe that. on this mm-hmm. on the day that the light, last time the Ravens lost a preseason game was September the third. I think a lot of Texas fans were at Wrigley Field taking in a Cubs game. Was that the Thursday or the Friday that a bunch of Texas I fans think were you're going right. like yeah. took over Wrigley Field? Yeah, I believe you're right about in that. Chicago. That sounds about right. Yeah, that was the start of mm-hmm. Charlie Strong's second season as the head coach of your Texas Longhorns. Two days yeah. later, because yeah, the Thursday, the last time the Ravens lost a preseason game was a Thursday night game to wrap up their preseason, and they hadn't lost since twenty four in a row. Yeah, that's wild. Even if you like say, even if you're trying your hardest and desperately to win every one of those games in preseason form with all of those different variables and unknowns on your roster, that's hard to do. That's hard to do. Yeah. Uh, Barack Obama was our president, and uh, <laughs> Spotlight was the number one movie. Hey, at the that's movie a good movie. The, that's a real good movie. That's yeah, a really Michael good movie. Keaton. I believe it was uh, Academy Award. You I think know, it won. I think it won yeah, Best Picture. I believe it's a, it's a winner. Yeah. That was the number one. But uh, let's get some other Just the Facts brought to you by our friends at Texas Orthopedics. Just what do you have, facts. Rod? Uh, I got a couple of Just the, flag, just the Facts. Uh, all right, so um, the first one is about Scotty Scheffler. Um, apparently, Scotty Scheffler, uh, he did set a PGA Tour record uh, in 2022 with $14 million in earnings, but he's already crossed a $21 million earnings mark this year. Oh. And he's got, he's got events left. Uh, that means his caddy alone is taking home at least a million to $2 million because it was like five, between 5 to 10% as the, usually the standard deal for your caddy. Um, so it, you talked about it. He, he, what did he finish in the last event? Scotty uh, Scheffler? Tied for second. There you go. So he's, he's a lot of straight cash over he's been making. So, yeah, it's, it's going to be his most uh, profitable year. So shout out to Scotty Scheffler, the uh, lifetime longhorn, making a lot of straight cash. Homie. He's making money, but it's also frustrating because if he were a better putter this year, he could have, be having like a, a Tiger Woods-like year. The yeah, way he's, he's playing tee to green, it's pretty unbelievable. He could have five, six wins, literally. Um, he's been right there. He's That's always, why he's loaded up on the cash. He's the bridesmaid, not the bride. This, yeah, I <laughs> this mean, it's, and it's all reason. with the putter. It's all on the greens. It's, he's losing strokes on the greens. He's gaining uh, multiple strokes against everybody. Tee to green, uh, frustrating. And he'll, but he will begin the FedEx because that 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 wallet could get even thicker because he will tee off. Oh yeah, on Thursday down at East Lake outside Atlanta at the Tour Championship at minus ten. He'll have a two stroke. Oh, that's lead. right. 
And he, if he goes and wins that, he's how gonna, much money he's going? Oh get? man, the FedEx Cup. I don't even know what the number is this year. If you win the FedEx oh, Cup, right, I mean, they got extra. It's got bonus money in there yes, now. Yeah, yes. with the new deal. Yeah. It's the supersized <laughs> FedEx Cup. <laughs> the supersized bag. I'll give you. I'll give you a fact and just you know fact. How about this? It could become a fact. How about this? Front office sports. And a guy named Dan Ives of of Wedbush Securities, he's a securities analyst, he raised eyebrows this week by declaring that it would be a no-brainer for Apple to acquire ESPN from Walt Disney, the Walt Disney Corporation. Because Apple wants to be a player in in live sports. They took the big step of uh, getting the media rights deal with the MLS for the streaming package for all MLS games. Mm. How about this monumental... Acquisition, if it were to happen, um, because as it says in this story, that Apple has enough change in their couch cushions to fundamentally change and alter the media rights landscape, according to James Andrew Miller of Front Office Sports. Uh, the tech giant made its biggest move into live sports so far with a 10-year, $2.5 billion streaming deal with the MLS. Um, but if the if Apple were to acquire ESPN, mm. Immedi- immediately Apple would get the rights to NFL, NBA, WNBA, MLB, NHL, UFC, and PGA Tour, tennis grand slams, Formula One, college football's Big 12 and SEC conferences, plus ESPN's first two Super Bowls after 2026 and 2030. Game changer. Would Tim Cook and Apple take that step? That's a, You're talking about shifting the entire landscape of the entertainment ecosystem. Yes. That's it. I mean, that would, <laughs> that would change it forever. Like, it would never be the same. That's no. it. And it would be the move that would, you know, obviously wow. ESPN has been a struggling asset for Walt Disney. Well, they're Walt- struggling to keep up with the new entertainment ecosystem That's with exactly streaming. Right. They don't really know what to do. And Apple's like, man, we're ahead of the game. We already, <laughs> you know what I mean? We, we, we have a blueprint for you. Uh, we already know exactly how the new entertainment ecosystem works. And, oh. I, and I love that line that Apple, which, I mean. Oh, yeah, they worth so much. It's ridiculous. They worth so much money. Uh, their their valuation is ridiculous. Mm-hmm. Uh, and it, they, they have enough money in their couch cushions to fundamentally alter yeah. the sports media rights landscape. Well, just from their kind of the smart market monopoly they have alone, it, it's them and Android. Like I said, it's only two choices pretty much. Uh, in, in, in the United States, Apple has a monopoly share, I believe, and worldwide, I believe Android has not a monopoly share, but I should say a majority share. Um, majority share worldwide is Android, but in America, Apple, you know, they, well, they make a lot of money the, off smartphones. Before the collapse of the Pac-12, in the Pac-12 conference, who was the last remaining bidder for the media rights for the Pac-12? Apple. Apple was going to do a streaming straight service with the Pac-12, and the presidents were leery of that because there were no guarantees and it was a tiered system. Well, you could see Apple saying, you know right, well, we're not going to do Pac-12. We'll just buy the whole damn thing. Just buy the whole damn thing, which they can. They can do it. They could do it <laughs> pretty they, easily. They yeah. And honestly, I... Uh, now that I'm thinking about it, and ESPN a, and Walt Disney might want to. It sounds, sounds like, yeah, because they've been talking about selling off shares and stuff well, like they're that. A, anyway. They're a, they're a, they're a d- declining asset right now. Yeah, they're a struggling media company because they have okay. some kind of an antiquated business model. Yeah. But everybody pretty much does because the system, the entertainment ecosystem, is changing so drastically. <laughs> right. Well, and because they're trying to catch up with the streaming with the ESPN yes. app and other Apple's already there. They're already there. They're ahead of the game. Wow. And they have. Plenty of money to do it. I have. Do you have Apple TV? I have Apple. I do. Pl- I have I Apple. Do. Yeah, me too. That's where I watch the morning show.
Uh, that's good. That's a good program. Yeah. That was with uh, bad. Steve Carell Jennifer and Jennifer Aniston. And the, yeah, that wasn't bad. I think that's the only thing I've ever watched on Apple. Really? Except for MLS Oh, games. I would recommend some good programs. Do some that good, for me. Some good stuff on Apple, man. Hey, hook them up. It's Ian Rod B. On, a, uh, on the horn here on a Tuesday morning. We'll pick it up on the other side with your headlines. That race, this is a fact, too. That race in the American League West, even tighter this morning than it was Yesterday, yeah, getting tighter. Three-team race. It's going to be a lot of fun to the finish line. We'll get you details on that. Plus, Rod will get his first rant of the day. And thank you to our friends at Texas Orthopedics. They bring you just the facts.